Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And there are within the pages of Scripture so many incredibly beautiful word portraits of the Lord Jesus. Some of them are presented prophetically, indicating aspects of his character and his ministry, while others were contemporary, given during and after the life of the Lord. But no matter when they were given, all of them supply us with welcome insight into who and what Jesus was and is. Just consider some of the ways that Jesus is described. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, he is referred to as the consolation of Israel. In Luke 1, 69, he is referred to as a horn of salvation. He was called a man of sorrows and also the morning star. He is designated as the author of our salvation in Hebrews 2.10 and called the light of the world in John chapter 8 and verse 12. He is the lion that is from the tribe of Judah according to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5 and he is the prince of peace in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. On and on and on we could go. But of all of the portraits of Jesus painted with the words of God's revelation, one that seems so beautiful and that is used repeatedly throughout both the Old and New Testaments, is Jesus as shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. This chapter begins the second part of the book, the first part having come to a close with dark anticipation of captivity and exile. Part two of the book assures the people of their return from captivity, and Jehovah's care for them until the Messiah comes. But bear in mind that Isaiah was writing to people who would be in Babylonian exile in a little over a hundred years. They would be oppressed under the heel of a most powerful despot. Their beloved city of Jerusalem would lay in ruins, and the beautiful temple constructed by Solomon would have been brought level to the ground. But look at how Isaiah describes what would be done for them in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 11. He wrote, Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. When it comes to dealing with the oppressive power, the image is one of strength and might. He would come with power, infinite power, to overthrow the enemies. He would redeem his people 
and exercise his will. But when it comes to dealing with his people, Isaiah turned from power and rule to a figure of tenderness and compassion. He turned to a shepherd tending his flock, who gathers his flocks together and then protects them and provides them with love and concern. This is so reminiscent of the Lord's statement in Matthew 23, verse 37, when Jesus cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. In Ezekiel 34, in the midst of a prophetic passage that speaks of the blessings of the kingdom of Christ, we find in verses 23 and 24, Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them, and he will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. In chapter 37 and verse 24 we read, And my servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd, and they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. In the book of Zechariah, a book written after the return from Babylonian captivity, this theme of the Messiah who was to come as a shepherd continues, but this time with an additional twist. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, there is a purely messianic statement made. The prophet wrote, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Now connect this prophecy with chapter 13 and verse 7, another purely messianic prophecy. We find, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man my associate, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd that the sheep may be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Thus we see the indication that this promised shepherd would suffer death. It would be a death for his flock, and it would usher in the time of salvation. On the very night of his betrayal, with his death less than 24 hours away, Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. With that statement, the Lord showed that he was unquestionably the promised shepherd of the Old Testament. But now let's turn to John chapter 10 and look at verses 1 through 6. In that passage, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. 
This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. As we consider the first six verses of this chapter, we find Jesus most significantly beginning to refer to himself in the context of a shepherd. While we don't have time in this episode to examine it closely, this flows quite naturally from the previous event found in John 9. There the Pharisees had cruelly and harshly cast out from the synagogue the man born blind whom Jesus had healed. The Old Testament prophets had frequently written of false shepherds who would arise and lead the people astray, and the Pharisees were often guilty of doing just that. Other prophecies, as we have seen, spoke of the true shepherd of God, the Messiah, and Jesus was that shepherd. To his Jewish listeners, the details of this allegory were very familiar. The sheepfolds of Palestine were most walled, unroofed enclosures. Usually, several shepherds would bring their flocks into the same sheepfold to stay overnight. One of them would stand as guard at the entrance. This would be the porter. Each morning, the shepherds would take their sheep from the sheepfold and lead them to pasture. There was never a reason for a shepherd to climb over the wall of the enclosure or to enter in any other way than through the door. Only a thief would do such a thing. When the shepherd entered in, the sheep recognized his voice. He had entered a thousand times before, and when his voice would ring out in the cool morning air, they were comfortable with it. The true shepherd calls them each by their own name perhaps even using pet names that he has given them over the years that reveal his affection for them as though they were his children. The true shepherd would proceed forward, leading the way. He doesn't push, he doesn't pull, he does not drive his sheep, he leads and they follow. They have come to trust him absolutely because of his loving care for them in the past and they know that he would not hurt or harm them. He is the leader. He steps out in front and shows them the way. Because the sheep see his courage and love for them, there is no resistance or struggle. By thus identifying himself, Jesus shows that we can follow him. He leads by leading, and the leading is prompted by love. I can't help but think of the beautiful passage found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25, which tells us, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. As we go back to John 10, it is my belief that the reason verse 6 tells us that they did not understand those things which he had been saying to them was not that they were unfamiliar with the sheepfold and the shepherd. I believe the reason why they did not understand was that the concept of loving care and nurturing was so foreign to the kind of religious leadership they were used to from the Pharisees that they did not immediately grasp the Lord's meaning. 
So Jesus continued on, and so will we. Let's look at verses 7 through 16. Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He has the welfare of the sheep at heart first of all, and not his own. If it means that he must place his own life in jeopardy in order to safeguard the sheep, then he will do so with no thought of the risk. That is what Jesus did. He gave his life for the sheep. Look specifically at verses 14 and 15, where Jesus once more refers to himself as the good shepherd. This time he emphasizes the intimate knowledge that the good shepherd has of his sheep. The shepherd who day by day guards his flock will know when one is hurting and when one is sick. He will know because he knows each of his sheep. He knows its traits and its characteristics and will take special interest when something is wrong. And because of that long association of love and care, the sheep come to know the shepherd and trust him implicitly. They know that all that he does is for their good. They feel safe and secure. When there is trouble, they will run to the shepherd, because for them he has proven himself to be dependable. And Jesus would occupy that position not just for the Jews, but for all people who would enter the flock through him. I would follow my good shepherd anywhere. What a picture. What an image. Jesus, the good shepherd. One of my favorite passages that relates to the image of pastoral care is often read at funerals, but is in reality a psalm that celebrates life, life under the guidance and leadership of the Good Shepherd. It is the 23rd Psalm. There is no other passage quite so beautiful and tender in its depiction of the role of the shepherd. It reads as follows. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Notice that David began with, the Lord is my shepherd. The idea is that he is a shepherd to me. He watches over me. He cares for me. He preserves me. It's not past tense, nor is it future tense. If I am his, the Lord is my shepherd now. It will always be the present if I continue to follow him. With the Lord as my shepherd, I will not want. He is able to supply all my needs. The statement, he makes me lie down in green pastures, calls to mind the Lord's gracious invitation of Matthew 11 and verse 28, when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The statement concerning quiet waters emphasizes once again that the true shepherd leads. He does not drive. And it also conjures up images of Jesus by Jacob's well in John chapter 4, telling the Samaritan woman in verse 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Sometimes sheep wander, and the good shepherd moves to restore them. Do you remember the Lord's parable, Matthew chapter 8, verses 12 and 13? Jesus said, What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? And if it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine which have not gone astray. There are also times when the sheep get worn down and lose strength. That is when the good shepherd bends down and lifts us up, reminding us all that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. With Jesus as our shepherd, we can follow him even into the valley of the shadow of death. For he has walked that very path before us. Because he walked it and has shown us the way, we don't have to be afraid of anything, not of our life here or in that time when we pass over. How many times does the Bible tell God's people, do not be afraid and do not fear? Remember the words of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I forsake you. So that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Just think about it. When we follow our shepherd to death's door, we will be able to say, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When I think of the statement made in Psalm 23, verse 5, Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, I am inclined to think of the calm in the midst of the storms. Here is the table with all of its necessary provisions, set for the Lamb even in the presence of his enemies. Nothing is hurried. There is no confusion, no disturbance. The enemy may be at the door, yet the Lord, our shepherd, prepares a table, and the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were at perfect peace. That is the calm that Jesus gives to his people, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. Every day the Christian is blessed. Every day our cup runneth over. Under the guidance and protection of the Good Shepherd, 
goodness and loving kindness are mine all the days of my life, including the darkest and the brightest days. And as I follow the shepherd now, I will eternally be with him, and I hope you'll be there too. Thanks for listening.